Powered by Rev Media in partnership with TSN, it is episode 18 of season 5 of the Rain Dregs Hockey Podcast, and it is presented by our title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey, who have introduced the first release of the Canadian Club Invitation Series, CC 15-year-old Sherry Cask. All the hallmarks of classic Canadian club with the added richness and sweetness of Sherry. There we see you, Ray Ferraro. You're in a hotel room in Seattle, correct? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So I'm thinking as as I'm, you know, getting set this morning, I'm like, you know, Ray and Cammy have, I'm going to call it the good fortune, uh, being able and, and wanting to celebrate the double Thanksgiving, right? Yes. I mean, Cammy's yep. American. Of course, you're going to celebrate U.S. Thanksgiving yesterday over the course of the week. You, as a proud Canadian, you celebrate the Canadian Thanksgiving earlier, but when you're traveling, you get none of that. So when you get back to Vancouver, do you just pick up and have a nice U.S. Thanksgiving meal and celebration? What happens? No, you know, every once in a while, I, you know, you, you're in conversation, and I'm telling Cammy about what I'm doing, and and then I realize this is probably not part of the story she wants to hear. So. She's at a soccer tournament in San Diego. Um, okay. She flew down yesterday. Reese is actually playing right as we tape now, our 13-year-old. Actually yeah. just scored, which is super oh, cool. Oh, very we're, good. We're, you know, I can hardly wait to see it. But um, <clears throat> she's in a, you know, a, a minor soccer tournament hotel, right? Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I'm staying... Um, where the NHL teams stay in Seattle. It's a little bit different. I had a turkey dinner last night, Dregs, that was amazing at the hotel. Oh, I thought you were going to say it was like Swanson, like a oh, hungry no, man or no. something. Dregs, it was amazing. <laughs> so I'm telling Cammy about it. She's like, yeah, I had a protein bar and a salad. <laughs> Turkey-flavored protein bar and, <laughs> and a so, salad. You know, she was scrounging around for something to eat, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I had a great workout and a great oh, turkey boy. dinner. And so it was. it is pretty cool, though. Like, the Seahawks played last night, mm-hmm. and, like, all the 49ers and Seahawks fans walking around in their jerseys. And yeah, yeah. Like, you know, it's 60,000 people. Now, I saw more of them, Dregs, than I would have originally because <laughs> I got an Uber at the airport. I get to the hotel. I walk in, and I'm like, I don't think the team's staying here. Like, no. I think I'm in okay. the wrong hotel. So yeah. I go to check in. They're like, no, we don't have anybody here. So I call Dan Murphy. And yeah. And I go, hey, Murph, what hotel are we in? He tells me, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm about four miles from there. I was in the wrong hotel. I had to get another, another Uber. That is such a Ray Ferraro travels. Now, why Why did you think that you were in the hotel that you went to? Like, what, what led you to believe that? Did you I, I had in my head, I think, <laughs> oh, yeah, this is the one. But I never checked. Like, all I had to do was open the itinerary. And so I just, I got in the car and I, as I'm pulling my bag up, I'm like, yeah, I don't see any players or signs of players around yeah, here. Yeah. And when I walked up, the guy's like, no, let me check. Let me look at your uh, confirmation number. And the confirmation code, he's like, yeah, ours aren't, are not that many digits. And they have letters. I'm like, oh, I'm in the wrong place, man. Gordon Miller's gonna love this story. Yeah, what a! I, I just it never ends. I just I just can't get it right. <laughs> 
Well, speaking of stories, we've got a lot to deal with in Tim Horton's headlines. Tim Hortons has some tasty beverages and baked goods on their menu for the holidays, Ray. Try their new non-alcoholic Baileys-flavored Tim Hortons classics like Baileys Cream Coffee. It's the classic taste of Timmy's original blend coffee infused with the flavor, of course, of Baileys and cream. There's a wide variety of holiday drinks and baked goods, which I know you're a big fan of, Ray. Only available at Tim's. All right. So we've got Josh Morrissey of the Winnipeg Jets joining us here in episode 18. And we recorded the interview with Josh on Thursday. So we'll get to him momentarily. But the Jets making news, you know, in the interview, Josh talks about how excited he is to to have a quick meeting with Bones, with Rick Bonus, who's in Florida. And the players didn't know. Morrissey at the time of the recording, Ray, didn't know what was about to happen. So Rick Bonus joins the team this morning. They're getting set to take on the Florida Panthers on the ice and announces that he is back. He'll be on the bench for the Winnipeg Jets, back full-time as head coach. And as as anyone who's listening or watching on our YouTube channel, you're going to hear and see from Josh Morrissey how important Rick Bonus and the coaching staff of the Winnipeg Jets is to the players. So, what a great story in Winnipeg and a great story for the Bonus family. Well, the, the first thing you think of is, well, that must mean great news for his wife, Judy. Yeah. Which yeah. is the, the best thing. Um, the, the, there's a part of the interview where, where Josh talks about if you're in a conversation with Rick, he doesn't go five minutes without mentioning Judy. So happy for the Bonus family. Um, good for Rick to be able to get back on the ice and yeah. uh, back what he wants to do and um, yeah, wish them all the best. You know, here's real quick and we'll move on to the Boston Bruins and another coaching angle. Um, news normally gets out. And I tweeted something on Thursday, basically off the conversation we had with Josh, where he acknowledged that, you know, the players expected to meet with, with bonus. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, that's kind of a neat tweet. I'll just put it out there obviously had no idea that he was coming back full time and didn't bother to to poke that hard or dig that hard but i did send a text to one of the people that i you know know very well in winnipeg with the organization didn't get a response back and i'm like hmm that's interesting <laughs> and so the reason was of course they wanted to protect the information so right. that their social media people their content people could deliver the message the way they did. I mean, the team released a great video of of Bonus going around the room, shaking hands, hugging the players and whatnot. So one of the few times where I don't mind not having the full story because I yeah. think it was a cool way that the Jets... Sometimes, it, hey, from the Jets, sometimes it's what you don't say that is most <laughs> important. <laughs> In this case, that's 100% accurate. Um, again, speaking of the dressing room, I think many of us saw the the clip and the soundbite from Jim Montgomery, the head coach of the Boston Bruins, but you wanted to to talk about it and acknowledge it. So let's have a listen and have a look at that soundbite first. Now, this was from a few days ago with the Bruins on their their father trip, right? The dads were with the Boston Bruins as they went through Florida. They're, They're back in Boston now, but here was the message delivered by Montgomery to the players in the room. All right, boys, you know, I... I've been watching you guys hang out with your dads, and I got to be honest, I'm a little bit jealous. You know, my dad passed away nine years ago, and what an opportunity for you guys, you know? And whether your dad's in heaven, right? Linus, 
or whether he's here with us or louts, whether he's watching at home on your sofa, they gave us the names we wear on the back. And they're proud of you guys, as they should be, right? Mm -hmm. Now, we're all proud to wear that B in front of us. What my dad expected was second and third effort every fucking night. Let's have second and third effort tonight and see where we are at the end of the sixth season. All right? Starters, Forby, <laughs> you and Chatty. We got Zach's line. Linus, you're in next. <laughs> How good is that? My buddy Phil Potter was on that trip, right? His son Matt plays for the Boston Bruins and said from Louis DeBrusque all the way through, it was just a tremendous experience for both the dads, the first timers like Phil, but also for the players. And you can appreciate from Monty, Ray, just how important this experience is for everybody. It's, uh, man, it's just having a read of the spot of the moment, right? And to, like, I, I've never really thought of it that way, but what a, an amazing way to impact the players to remind them why you have the name you have mm -hmm. and with your fathers on the trip. And, you know, some teams, well, most teams now do, do mom's trips too, which yeah, I guess are yeah. just unbelievable. They, they just, <laughs> the players, they, they laugh, the teams laugh at how different and how caring the guys are around their moms, as opposed to when the dads are out and they, they got to shepherd <laughs> these guys around and make sure they get to the bus on yeah. time. But I just loved, I loved the speech. I, I loved the, it, you can't see, of course, but he, he goes, there's two players that, whose fathers are no longer with them. And he goes and he gives them each a little fist tap in the middle of the speech. Mm -hmm. I just, I just thought it was amazing. I, I wish I could have brought my dad on a, on a father's trip. Like nobody yeah. did it back then. It would have been, it would have been amazing. I wonder where that originates and it wouldn't be hard to find out. We'll have mm. to find out. And then, you know, but somebody had to have done it first and then everybody went, geez, what a good idea that is. Right. Expensive, but a good idea. I mean, these guys are tra treated first class, you know, moms, dads, anyone, the mentors, anyone who's invited on that charter is having a good time. Well, what about, so they, they go, they, they room with their dad, you know, yeah. like they, or their mom and they, you know, they, um, they get to sit in the meetings. They get to see what their what the day is like, and uh, it's a really, really awesome thing that that is now a mainstay for teams. It is, yeah, it's great stuff. You know, last week on the podcast, we talked about how we weren't going to continue to chew on the Edmonton Oilers because it felt like after the coaching change, okay, you got the bump. You know, they're going to turn a corner here. Let's watch them run now, and maybe we'll have something positive to say. And we did. We did for right. one episode, I think. And <laughs> now all of a sudden, here we are talking about how Kenny Holland is going to drag this team out of the mud. Um, and so my sense from, from talking to some people around the organization is that at least the general manager, I can't speak for senior management or ownership, they may have a different view on this entirely is why not wait, you know, make the players earn that big trade. You know, if, if, if you're going to throw futures into an equation, into a transaction, and you're not convinced that goalie, that defenseman coming back is going to actually turn things around and make it better or even worse, you're concerned that there's something else that is missing. Maybe it's not a player. Maybe it's just, the group, <laughs> you know, like mm. you can't fix it with one trade. 
do you sell off those future assets at this point, Ray? Or, you know, if you're Kenny, if you're not pressured into making a trade, do you just sit tight and make these players earn it a little bit more? Well, I, I do think there sometimes there is value in shuffling deck chairs around. And what I mean by that is that you're you're not necessarily making a trade um, with of huge impact uh, of player. Yet sometimes it's a jolt or somebody catches fire that comes over in a trade. Now, just before I got to the New York Islanders, the Islanders made a trade in like November of the year before, and they got Mark Fitzpatrick and Hubie McDonough from the LA Kings. And it, it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't uh, earth shattering trade by any means. No. They went something like 22 and five after the trade. Hmm. Like, like okay. it shouldn't have impacted is my point the way yeah. it did, except it did. It did. Yeah. And so maybe that's the type of deal that, that you look at first, um, Hell, it's no secret they they could use another goalie, but but everybody else knows it too. Like, do you think they're getting a bargain? I will mm-hmm. say this, and and I know Ken quite well, is that I, I know he takes a lot of heat in Edmonton right now. But one thing he won't do is even if even if this is his last year, and I have no idea, but it's the last year on his contract, he's not going to blow out a bunch of future assets just to save himself if it's not the right move for the team and the organization he's not going to make it and Mm -hmm. and i think there's that must be hard to do because it would be easy to blow out a bunch of future first rounders and and such but um man they're they're in an just an unbelievable predicament i i just i just keep going back to two months ago when most of us had them in the western conference final at least yeah yeah and it's the same team, except clearly it's not the same team. Yeah. Do they miss the playoffs? I mean, not to radio you here, because we all think back to the St. Louis Blues having a terrible first half, a magnificent second half, en route to, to winning a Stanley Cup. Uh, it doesn't feel the same. I mean, we can't know for sure, but right. to, to bounce over the teams that the Oilers <coughs> have to bounce over to get into that wild card spot, is yeah. a pretty tall mountain. Well, the I saw something to, to get to 95 points and the pace percentage they have to play at. Yeah. It it seems like it can't happen, except it happened a year ago. Mm. Like like could it happen? I don't know. Can Skinner get catch fire again? And hell the other night in Carolina, when he fell in warm-up and went sliding through the Carolina team to the other blue line. And then you love that, don't you? Oh, I do. Because it's just so (laughs) like, it's something he does every game, but the way things are going, he falls, slides to the Carolina blue line, gives up four goals in 13 minutes. Like what the hell else is going on? You know, like it, right? Like it's a, sometimes the, the snowball does get bigger. Yeah. And and that's what it feels like right now in, in Edmonton. Hell, they're not going to win any games giving up five and six goals, and it happens way too much. Yeah. Speaking of goaltending and that, that Carolina game, by the way, Antiranta 
is mm-hmm. is now hurt for the Carolina Hurricanes, and you throw Freddie Anderson, who's out long term, and all of a sudden you go from a collection of riches in Carolina to going, uh oh, you know, but now we have a goaltending deficiency here in a big way. Well, and certainly Anderson's, you know, he's not coming back anytime soon with with blood clotting. That's something, of course, they're going to be super careful with, and it yeah. takes time. Um, Rant has had a history of injury. Uh, th- this is why they had Yarrow Halak in on a PTO uh, just two weeks ago, and they they l- released him from it. But you wonder if they have to revisit something in in that position. Also, I just came across. Uh, so New Jersey's uh, they're a legit good team. Their yeah. their two goaltenders are in the bottom fifteen in save percentage and and goals against uh. average. So. Now does Tom Fitzgerald just sit and wait and hang around or and see if his goalies can can dig it out again, dig themselves yeah. out of the hole or not? I mean, so when you think of your favorite team needing a goalie, mm-hmm. A, everybody else knows it too. B, there's some other complications to trying to find one. And right. so there's there's three teams we just came up with that could easily be kicking tires on the same goalies. Yeah, and I keep looking at Mackenzie Blackwood in San Jose, yeah. and you know it's pretty obvious because we know where the San Jose Sharks are headed and, and what their direction is here. Um, you know, maybe Mike Greer just thinks that look, we also have to keep it somewhat competitive, and I'm not going to trade Mackenzie Blackwood yeah. at this point unless somebody is just ridiculously going to to overpay. Well, uh, I did the game Monday in Vancouver, and Blackwood played. He was terrific. He was yeah. really good. Um, uh, I did notice he still had his, uh, cause you know, I was standing between the benches. He'd come over for a drink of water. He's still wearing his New Jersey undergear cause it's all red. And I was like, <laughs> eh, it's kind of weird. It's just, it looked like creature of habit. Feels good. And it's kind of tattered, you know, it didn't yeah, look yeah. like it was yeah. really great stuff, but, um, <laughs> he would be, uh, a, a name to, to think of for sure. Yeah. And and you got to uh, think just because sorry, Drake's last thing just because yeah, a team yeah. has three goalies, they don't want to trade one either because they're an injury away from if you trade it one, somebody gets injured. Now you got no yeah. one. Yeah. By the way, Ryan Rashog just uh, look at this guy is all over it, right? I mean, he's not just a pretty face on TSN and a host of multiple podcasts and. You know, uh, essentially the owner of the Rain Dregs podcast in some way, like in, in some, some yeah. way, small way, like a yeah. small. Um, he also does a lot of our research, and he says the Washington Post has an article from eight years ago, Ray, that says Barry Trotz started the father mm. trips with the Nashville Predators. So oh, I guess that would make sense. It's awesome. Good. For- there you go. I'm surprised he was paying attention. Well. That there's that too. Ryan, not Barry. Barry's yes. a, he's a sharp dude. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, you want to talk about the Central Division or the Metro? Pick your poison. Just for uh, differing Central. reasons. Central, Central, I think. Okay. Central. So you've been a big fan of Dallas and Colorado, yep. and and you know, we've got Josh Morrissey on the podcast. We know what Winnipeg is doing, and you've got St. Louis that's kind of hanging in there. <clears throat> and and not to to pound on the po- uh, negative here, but. How surprised are you at what the Minnesota Wild aren't doing, which is winning and not scoring, like Kaprizov and Boldy yeah. and Felino? <laughs> like, go down the list. Billy Garen, he's not losing his hair, but it's it's you know it's thinning over time. 
He's, mm. he's like the rest of us. He's getting older. He's pulling it out now. You know how sour Billy G must be because he really, right. what's different about the Minnesota Wild other than Matt Dumba isn't there? They're really, well, essentially, they're the same team. Well, there's two things, really, um, when I look at them. One, this is the year they get kicked in the teeth with yeah. the with the Suter Parisi buyouts. So they're yeah. 14 million under under the cap that that they've got to try and navigate. So that's I mean they they knew it was coming and they you know you do the best you can with it, but that mm. that's a significant factor. It's 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 one of those things. It's not an excuse. It's just the fact. Uh, secondly, if if anybody had thought that Minnesota was going to be a decent team this year, um, they would have. They they would have thought that Kaprizov and Boldy, the two that you mentioned, would be yeah yeah you know would be significant contributors. So Kaprizov's got one goal, five on five this year. Boosh. One, yeah. Boldy hasn't scored in eight games since he's been back from injury. Yeah. They they don't. You combine those two things: the fourteen million under the cap, your two most creative offensive players have no goals. Yeah, you know. It, it doesn't really matter. You can try and win two one all the time, but sometimes you got to win four three, and they they can't do either right now. Yeah, and look, I understand it. You know, this is what I do for a living. You have to ask the hard questions. Um, so I understand the speculation. Well, maybe they need a coaching change. Maybe they right. need this. Maybe they need that trade. But I think that you've explained it perfectly. So if you're the general manager, and it's kind of similar to what's going on in Edmonton, but if you're the if you're Billy Garen. You're not firing Dean Evason when your offensive pieces, the guys that you you need to drag you into the fight, aren't doing that, right? I mean, it's, it's, who knows? You know, you get a little bit further down the path, you may not have a choice, but right now it's it's on the players to deliver. Well, I I, I mean, it's if you think that the coach's systems and his line deployment is hurting your players, then maybe yeah, maybe that's the time to do it, but. I, I don't, I don't think that's the case. I mean, no. Zuccarello and Kaprizov have been hand in glove for a couple of seasons now, and it just, yep. you know, they've tried them together, they've tried them apart, they've had Boldy in there. It just, it's, it's dry. And if you're star, you can try as hard as you want. You can have your depth guys doing all the things that they, or maybe out kicking all the things you would expect. But if your big boys don't score, you don't have a chance. No. All right, those are your headlines. So undoubtedly, we'll have a lot more going on throughout the weekend and leading into episode 19 of the Rain Driggs podcast. So thank you to Tim Hortons for that. Tim's new non-alcoholic Bailey's flavored holiday menu. Enjoy the classic taste of the holidays anytime with a creamy Bailey's flavored latte. Celebrate the season with the taste of the holidays with Tim's new non-alcoholic Bailey's flavored holiday menu. Our interviews on Ray and Driggs are brought to us by Canadian Club Whiskey. They've introduced the first release of the Canadian Club Invitation Series CC 15-year-old Cherry Cask, signature CC Classic 12-year-old Whiskey, finished with a secondary aging in Oloroso Cherry Casks. We've got Josh Morrissey of the Winnipeg Jets joining us on the podcast this week, Ray. And as we acknowledged earlier, we recorded the interview on Thursday with Josh, and he talks uh, about meeting with Rick Bonus, but did not know in doing this interview that, in fact, Rick Bonus is back. He's back on the bench of the Winnipeg Jets. It's a great story and a great discussion with Josh Morrissey. 
All right, here we go on the Rain Drakes Hockey Podcast. We're joined by Winnipeg Jets defenseman Josh Morrissey. This is Thursday as we're recording here, Josh, but coming off a big win, 3-2 overtime win over the Tampa Bay Lightning. Another important game for you, a goal and an assist. You've got eight points in your last four games. Um, so you're on a point-per-game clip, which is basically what you were last year as well. Um, but speak about you know how the team is playing and, and why things are going so well for you for the first 18, 19 games. Yeah, I think uh, for us, um, you know, we really felt that uh, we wanted to um, build off some of the things we did well enough to get into the playoffs last year. And um, I think in the offseason, the, the depth that uh, we added to our team, um, you know, really uh, has been a focal point of, of why we've been successful to start. And, um, you know, I think played in the league long enough now to, to know you can win a couple games uh here and there, um, maybe not playing the right way, but just doing it with skill or talent. And I think, you know, at least so far we've uh, managed to win games. Uh, you know, I think a lot of them through just playing a good, solid team game, having contributions uh, up and down the lineup, uh, different areas kind of each night. And, um, you know, just I think the depth of our team is what uh, has been a huge strength. So um, obviously it's it's only 18 games in. Uh, we've got a long runway uh, left, but uh, I'm really excited just because we've been playing, uh, in my view, such a quality um, team game and, and we're just, you know, excited about that style, excited about, uh, you know, buying into the system and, and getting the results that we have. So, um, you know, it's been great and individually, it's just been uh, try to carry off last year. I worked hard in the off season to, um, you know, improve my game. And, uh, you know, so far when you get to play with great mm -hmm. players, um, you know, you get rewarded as well. Josh, I'll, I'll start with the team first, I guess. You know, there was a it was a bit of a disappointing end, the way that you guys finished, even though you did get into the playoffs. Lots of change over the summer. Um, Hellebuck and, and Shifley signed long contracts. I mean, the whole narrative seemed to switch over the three or four months. It just, it you know, we're not there, but it feels different looking at you guys. Does it feel different? inside your room with your team you got all the la guys that came in and it's really changed quite a bit totally i mean uh you know i think even going back to last year um at the deadline uh bringing in nino and vladdy uh Nemestikov, um you know two key players that just really provide uh way more depth for a team you know those guys can both play up and down the lineup special teams all situations and um you know the la guys that came in have all been fantastic and you know, so for us to, to kind of have that boost through our lineup of, of all those guys, as well as a healthy Cole Perfetti, who we missed for a mm. you know, large part of the second half, for the, yeah. really the whole second half of last year. Um, you know, that's a lot of players that are really good NHL players that come into your lineup and are making a difference. So, um, you know, I think that in general has been uh, a huge key. And then, like you mentioned, um, you know, getting the, the excitement of, of having Scheif and Helly sign uh, right before the season. I mean, these are two key players, obviously. <clears throat> Helly, Vesna goaltender, Scheif, number one center. And um, to get those guys done, I think, you know, it sends a message to the team that, you know, a guy like myself who's signed here for, you know, the next five years, um, you know, and other guys, like, you know, we want to we wanna win. We You know, obviously everything's up in the air uh, before those deals get done. And um, it just solidifies that message that we uh, – you know, we're here to be competitive. We're here to push to 
um, you know, try and try and win a cup and, and be a, a perennial, you know, top team in the league. And uh, so that message, I think, really uh, excited us and, you know, kind of just sent that boost through our locker room to start the year. Mm. You, uh, when you were in junior, you were a big points guy. You put up huge numbers and then you, you come to Winnipeg and it seems like your game, you know, you morphed your game a little bit into being a little bit more, I don't know if cautious or responsible maybe is the word. What, what happened where you went, okay, now I, cause I always thought you had way more offense than you were. It was like, it's right there. It just felt like it was right there. And now all of a sudden it's exploded. Like what? What made you be able to take that step? Yeah, I think a lot of things. I mean, as you mentioned, when I came into the league, um, you know, sometimes it's um, you have to adapt to, to make the league. And I think uh, when I came in, you look at the guys we had, you know, obviously Dustin Bufflin, uh, Toby Enstrom, Myers, Truba, um, you know, a bunch of guys that were, <laughs> uh, you know, top end defensemen and uh, in those offensive situations. So, if I wanted to play, I really needed to be solid defensively. Um, you know, I really, the first few years of my career, spent most of the time, you know, in defensive situations and PK situations. And um, so I always felt that I had more offense as well to my game. But, um, you know, until you kind of let that out in the NHL, uh, I guess you never know. And um, I felt maybe the year, uh, what year would it be, 21, 22, I started to kind of feel... Um, more of that offensive ability come out in the second half and and then when bones and arnie and the new staff came in last year um you know that was my first conversation with with rick basically was uh you know he felt playing against uh, us when he was coaching in dallas that uh maybe i just happened to have some good games against them i don't know but he <laughs> felt that i had a lot more offensive ability there and ability to be up in the play and um he's really encouraged our whole back end to do that but you know, so I think it was a, a ton of that, a ton of that encouragement from the coaching staff, um, a little more of a leash to, you know, make some mistakes at times, uh, you know, when you when you are creating offense. And um, also, I think just the right time in my career, you know, I, I felt that right. uh, I worked really hard in my game. Um, my, a lot of things started to feel good uh, in my game. And uh, so a lot of those things, I think, just kind of worked together. But um, plus, as I mentioned before, when you play with guys like we have here, um, you know, you make the right play at the right time, you're in the right situations, uh, you know, you get rewarded passing a guy like Kyle Connor. You mentioned no, that. Uh, uh, sorry, ahead, Drake. So just one, one, one more about that. Yeah. You said something about a, a little bit of comfort that, you know, you can make a mistake here or there and, you know, you don't, it's not the end of the world. When you come into the league as a young, young guy, as a defenseman, I, I mean, I was a centerman. It was different. I had somebody to help me out. But, like, there must be enormous pressure to not make a mistake. You must feel it. And at some point, you got to let it go. But it, talk about how hard it is to let that pressure go. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, it's, uh, it's a tough situation. Obviously, you come in and, um, you know, I was lucky. I, I really loved playing for Paul Maurice and Charlie Huddy. Uh, as the D coach and I mean they were super encouraging of me in my career uh, got going as well but uh, I mean you know the situation um, you know you're if you're on an entry level it's pretty easy to send you down uh, you know there's pressure to generally if you're making the team and you have a pretty good back end there's a few other guys that are there that you know are out of the lineup every night so 
Um, you know, I tried to really focus on the details of the game, uh, what the coaches were asking of us from a systematic perspective. And um, again, like I said, the opportunity that was available for me was was PK and and you know sort of that um, just solid five on five play uh, with some you know especially starting my career off playing with Buff. I mean he was he was back there too much. So if I was going to, uh, and then outside of that, I think you know the other thing that maybe I've thought about a little bit is you know I had sort of the same staff for basically the whole part of my first six years of my career, and um, you know I think. It's not a. It's it's not anything other than just the new staff comes in and sees you at 26, 27 years old. I mean, you're at, t- at a totally different yeah. point in your career than than you are at 18, 19 when you come in. So, you know, Bones had seen me from a visiting team perspective, and um, you know, it just sometimes that that changes uh, you know their viewpoint of you as well. But um, you know, he's encouraged me and Arnie as well to uh, get up the ice, be offensive, be a threat, but also, you know, at the right times, playing the game the right way. And um, I think I've done a pretty good job of that. There's always times where you make the wrong read, but, uh, you know, it goes back even just the last thing on that to the first few games I played under Arnie and Bones. Uh, after about two or three games, they called me in and did some video with me. And I was making a fine play, but there was an opportunity to hold on to the puck longer or maybe make mm. a seat pass or, or, you know, threaten a little bit more offensively. And, um, you know, they basically said, we want you to do that. We think you can do that. We, you know, yeah. here's Adam Fox, here's Quinn Hughes, here's Kale McCarr. You know, these are guys doing that every night and we want you to, to push to try to do that as well. So having that encouragement from them was a total green light to, to be more offensive. And that really, I think, kicked off last year for me. Yeah, Josh, speaking of Rick Bonus and Scott O'Neill, this isn't a slight against Arnie. I mean, he takes over in a tough situation. The team really hasn't skipped a beat, but have you had any communication with with Bones? We know he took a leave of absence to be with his wife, Judy, but has there been any dialogue? And and then talk about the transition and going from Rick Bonus to now how uh, Scott O'Neill runs the Jets bench. Yeah, obviously it's been a, a tough situation in the background, um, you know, we uh, we love Bones and um, he's such a mentor to to all of us with his experience and uh, you know Judy as well. We've gotten a chance to meet her and get to know her around the arena. And I mean they are they are an NHL you know uh, couple. They've been doing yeah. this for a very long time. And so um, when we heard about everything that happened, it was pretty devastating for our team. Um, you know just to know how much Rick cares about Judy. I mean you'd be hard pressed to con have a five-minute conversation without him bringing up Judy and uh, so you know how hard that is for him Um, but Rick's uh, you know it's probably uh, killing him that he's away from the team Um, but at the same time he's he's texting us all the time after games uh, you know with the leadership group or individually uh, great play or you know different things like that and I know he's watching everything and talking with Arnie and the staff after every game and um, you know I think actually now that we're down here in Florida uh, he's down here, so we're going to get the chance to see him here uh, over the next few days, which will be great. But um, transition-wise, I don't think there was much of one. Uh, you know, obviously there was a little reshuffling on the bench. Uh, sure. Arnie kind of took over the main uh, responsibility, and uh, Brad Lauer came back to run the D. Um, but otherwise, um, I mean, they they work together. I feel uh, they run all of our coaches run different meetings and stuff like that. So um, they probably all have a little more on their plates, but in terms of the, 
experience as a player, I don't think anything's really changed. Yeah, you mentioned about uh, earlier playing with Buff when you, you know, when when you came in. I, I I don't know that there's been many more entertaining or unique players than than Dustin Bufflin. Like he at his size and like the way he could move is. Do you have? Can you give us a favorite? Bufflin story and I mean you must have a lot the, the other thing I want to ask you about that were you on the ice when he hit Mark Stone so I was not on the team yet when he hit Mark Stone but oh, because uh, that was a car crash like <laughs> oh my gosh yeah it was uh I was actually in the building so the moose I was playing in the minors at the time and uh, oh. uh I was in uh, I went to that game to watch I wanted to watch Buff and Carlson and and different guys playing in that game and I was sitting in the press box and yeah I mean the sound of that hit was Oof. I've never heard anything like it I don't know how Stone got up it was it was crazy <laughs> um but that was buff I mean he you know he's just I have so many stories uh I've had an absolute blast playing with him I played probably my first 40 games exclusively we were D partners and uh you know that just did so much for my career I mean um Ray you brought it up before sort of how do you manage that uh, sort of nervousness, anxiety mm-hmm. as a first-year player just trying to break into the league. And, um, you know, he was just – he loved playing the game. He kept it light. He was always having fun out there. Um, and I think, uh, like, one story in particular, I think we got scored on uh, maybe, you know, our second or third game into the season and sit down on the bench and he kind of put his arm around me and he's like, Welcome to the NHL, kid. Like first of many, and uh, <laughs> you know most guys are slamming the water bottle or stick after they get scored on. And I was kind of like, "What?" Like, and then just started laughing. And he would always joke with me. I mean, same thing. Your first part of your career, your shifts are a little shorter than they they are as you, I guess, establish yourself. And he'd be yelling at me as I'm changing, and he's going up the ice like, "Stay out here, kid. Stay out here." <laughs> I'm like, or, <laughs> we also used to joke, he'd always make uh, his partner uh, uh, be on the inside on D-zone face-off. So when we'd go bump sort of DD behind the net, uh, you know, he'd get a takeoff up the wall. But um, it was it was awesome. I mean, just things like that. Uh, he had such a good feel and just loved the game, just brought the energy and excitement. And, you know, even now, I, I just, I think I learned so much about just enjoying the game, enjoying the NHL, mm. uh, enjoying the the, the whole thing that is playing in the league and uh, what we get to do is, is pretty cool. So uh, he really epitomized that. And um, yeah, I just loved playing with him. He, he was an absolute blast to play with. Okay. So you're, you're into your career now, solidly into it. Um, does it still give you the juice that it did when you started hmm. or like, you got to be more of a realist, of course, like, Oh man, season, like you said, the season's long. We got 70 games, 60 games left. Like, do you, do you still, it's still there, right? Like it, when you go there, I, do you, do you still sure. get charged? For sure. I think, uh, yeah. I think you understand the sort of the progression throughout the year and the, the way that the game sort of changes, you know, at the different segments throughout the year. Um, but for me, I think what really put it into perspective was, was the COVID year, um, just having no fans. I mean, mm. I obviously hope that never happens again. Uh, but at the same time, you know, after being, I think, three or so years into my career and having that happen and, you know, experiencing that and then coming back to a normal NHL again, I think really put into perspective for me where, 
you know, you have to kind of look around once in a while, not to quote any movies, but you really do. You have to kind of smell the roses and, and, you know, whether it's during the anthem um, in a place like, you know, either at home in Winnipeg or Chicago or Montreal, Madison Square, Mm. you know, um, see the guys you're playing against and playing with and some of the stuff that's, you know, guys are achieving. I think that's the kind of stuff that, um, I mean, it's the NHL. It's such a cool experience and it's the best league in the world. It's what you dream of as a kid. So for me, um, I think that COVID year really put it into perspective for me. And so now I try to, to do that as much as possible. And, um, I think it takes, it's taken a little pressure off me for sure at times where, um, at the end of the day, you're, um, we get caught up in the, you know, shift by shift, game by game, uh, ups and downs. But, uh, you know, when you look at just the opportunity and how awesome it is to play in the league, I think, um, you know, for me, that's what I try to look at and enjoy. Yeah. You know, I wish I, I wish I would have had a little bit more of that, Josh, like, you know, like I, I, we'd get at practice and the coach would run another ridiculous drill that lasted too long. The, you're at the board too long. And, Jeff Rogers would come over and say, what were you thinking about? And I'd say golf. He'd say, I was thinking about hunting, but I, I wish I would have enjoyed that. And I wish I would have understood that ah, it's just a moment, let it go. And man, you've been in the same place the whole time, yet there's been so much change yeah. mm-hmm. to your, to your road. And um, that perspective probably, probably gives you a little bit extra, extra gas in a long day. Totally. I mean, like I said, I think that COVID year really hit hit that mm-hmm. uh, for me. Um, you know, even at that point, you know, I just signed a long term deal. Uh, we had a ton of turnover with our team and uh, was going through some stuff personally with my family. And um, yeah, it was just once we got back to playing in front of real, you know, crowds and in the in the real NHL, I guess. Uh, you know, you just I went. I probably appreciated more and. Uh, don't get me wrong. There's moments in time where, you know, individual things frustrate me and, uh, and all that stuff as a competitive guy. But, uh, you know, I think trying to keep that perspective as much as possible, uh, is a good thing. You know, Josh, we could talk for an hour, but we're not going to do that. I promise Brownie that uh, we wouldn't keep you longer than 20 <laughs> minutes so you can get to the beach, but we appreciate you taking the time and, uh, make sure you say hi to, to bones. For yes. Us. We'll do for sure. No, it was fun chatting guys. Thanks for having me. And, I'll say it high to bones for sure. Yeah, all the best, Josh. Good luck, eh? Thanks, guys. You know, there's so many good stories around the National Hockey League, right? Not, and I'm talking about player-specific stories, mm-hmm. and not just because of how impactful they can be on the ice. And Josh Morrissey certainly has considerable influence into the Winnipeg Jets' mm-hmm. start to this season. He's having a terrific year, right? He had a good year last year. He's one of their primary leaders, all of that. But I, I've watched it firsthand in Winnipeg. He's, and there's so many players around the NHL, I'm repeating myself, who do this. They see the importance of fitting in and being influential in the community. And you see Mm. that from Josh, right? The stuff that he does, the charity work that he does, the meetings that he has with children and things like that. Um, So from a leadership perspective, yeah, I think of Adam Lowry, I think of Mark Shifley, but I think of, of Josh Morrissey. And I think those players deserve some credit. You know, throw Hellebuck in the mix. You know, they're, they're, they've got a balance that Josh talked about with Perfetti now healthy and all of those things that do contribute to the reason why the Jets are having a good year so far. Well, I, I don't think it can be understated. Um, and, and Josh mentioned the, you know, the signings of Connor Hellebuck and Mark Shifley and the message it sends to, sends 
to the team and the fans. And um, it kind of, I, I think it was a big part of changing their look for not just this year, but their future because it impacts somebody like Josh, who's got five years left on his contract. Yeah. It impacts perhaps a, a player that might think of coming to, to Winnipeg and playing like, I know I'm, uh, I, Alex Iafallo loves it there, loves it in, in Winnipeg. He's been all over that lineup with injury and has been really effective for them, like with yeah. injuries to other players. Uh, mm-hmm. Josh is, his game has just grown and grown. And I, I found it really interesting that you kind of, or I kind of forgot when he broke in what that Winnipeg defense was like. <laughs> like there was nowhere to go. And so it was his formidable. Job, yeah, yeah, just fit in. Yeah. And it's funny, it's you know, as soon as I brought up Bufflin to him, how he started to laugh. Oh yeah. And just like, you know, you know there's a hundred and fifty <laughs> stories about Buff, but it was really interesting and funny to listen to him talk about about him. I I can't think of a more unique player that's been in the NHL. Like I don't no. know, twenty years. Like the guy the guy was a rolling linebacker. Like yeah. it, out there, and he was so skilled and so good. And then he's just like, "No, nah, I had enough. I'm gone." Yeah. And so I, I just, I don't know. I, I just, I thought it was a great interview. You can also see Josh, really thoughtful, uh, mature guy. And yeah. um, you know, he's, you know, what is he? Six years in Winnipeg. He'll be 11 by the time this deal's done. And um, he is, uh, he's a cornerstone player for them. A hundred percent. All right, buddy. Well, we'll let you go. Um, uh, yeah, you're going to San Diego to watch a little soccer, correct? Yep. Cammy is there already. Yeah, I got the got the game tonight. Canucks and Kraken, and yeah. um, um, then uh, in San Diego for the weekend, and then uh, next week got you know got a couple of games. But uh, yeah. I wanted to mention too. I did the game on Wednesday in Van- uh, Vancouver's in in Colorado, and uh, man, watching <clears throat> those teams. The first period was as good a period as I've seen, uh, I think, this year. It was so high-paced. It was, um, you know, the the skill. And, like, there was a there was a four-on-four out there, and it was Rantanen, McKinnon, Taves, and McCarr, and <laughs> Miller, Pedersen, Hughes, and Hironic. Oh, and it was oh like it, – it was like – and ne- none of them are thinking – Oh, I should guard defensively about no the other chance. guys. You know, they're thinking, "Oh, I'm going to score on these four. It was, it was yeah. great. It was, it was really great. And McCarr's got 20, 18 points in eight games, right? Now yeah. two goals and sixteen assists. And Hughes has got twenty points this month yeah. to still lead the league in scoring. It was, it was really a, it was a great hockey game. So not that you want to think about this over the course of the weekend, but a bit of a homework assignment because we haven't brought up. You know, the talk of, of NHL general managers and, and how they should or might tweak three on three. And and we know what has been speculated on and discussed. We're not going to talk about it right now, but I want you to go through this weekend and come up with a Ray Ferraro tweak. I mean, maybe okay, it's part of what's already been discussed, yep. but you always have a keen eye for that kind of stuff, especially when you're standing between the benches and you see it firsthand. So next week, next Tuesday, in the next episode, okay, Professor, be part I'll be of on our discussion. Okay, buddy. It. All right, safe travel and best of the family. I hope you have a good rest of the Thanksgiving weekend. 
Thanks very much. Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope everybody has a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Yes, and thank you to our sponsors who continue to support Ray and Dregs, our title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey, and Tim Hortons. And as always, thank you for listening, for rating, for sharing the podcast, and in particular, following us on the Ray and Dregs YouTube channel. Until next time, stay safe, everyone. <music>